Hello, and welcome to The Learning Project. I'm your host today, Stephanie Courtney. I wanna thank you so much for joining us in our new segment of Leadership and Professionalism. We have a really great special for you today with Latoya. She is one of our leading experts in the business community regarding HR. So we have 10 tips for you to improve, develop, and grow your team. So listen in. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie from The Learning Project. Okay, are you guys ready for a great podcast again? Again and again and again and again and again and again, again 30 okay we got 30 just to say okay <laughs> so I have the wonderful Latoya with me she is going to be giving us some amazing tips that are focused on HR professionalism leadership you guys get your paper pencil start writing now notes as we are going through this and then on top of that if you know someone that needs this podcast that really needs that extra help or guidance let me tell you this is the one you want to send so make sure that you subscribe you send this out to friends so that they can get a dose of this goodness so Latoya tell us what is your passion well, first of all, Stephanie, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Thank you. Such, such a great opportunity to, to chit chat with you. What is my passion? Um, my passion is serving others. Point blank, period. Mm. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. That was so funny. Okay, so the next question that I really have for you when it pertains to serving others, what does that really mean to you? Uh, I've got to ask myself by the end of the day, who did I help? Mm. And it's not so much who did I force my help on? Mm. How was I practical in serving others? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't have to be monetarily. It may be my time. Yeah. It may be a smile to yeah. who I'm, you know, passing on my, my you know, morning walk. Yeah. Um, it may be making sure I told the mailman when he physically put my mail in my hand when I was downstairs waiting for him to put the mail in my <laughs> box, mm -hmm. how much I appreciate him being out in the 97 degree weather. Right? Mm. Serving others starts there. And then yeah. it can scale up to how am I giving back of all the wonderful blessings that I'm receiving? I How am it. I being someone else's blessing? I love it. I love it. You know, you hit something really uh, important. When we're talk talking about leadership and professionalism, one of the things that I continually hear, it's kind of this course of, it's all about serving others. It's all about being willing to give yourself to people and just be there in little ways. Because a lot of times we feel like if we're not there in a big way, we can't be there at all. Yeah. And that's not true. You know what I mean? There's so many more opportunities for us to connect with people. So tell us, um, you have some top tens for us. Tell us, give us, give us the first one. What is oh. one of your first top tens when it comes to leadership, professionalism and HR? Yeah. So let's talk about your HR. HR department specifically, whether it's a, a, a body of one or whether you're in a large corporation and it's a team, you know, spread across, you know, multiple mm -hmm. geographies. Please never forget the purpose of HR in any business is to protect the business first. Mm. If there's a fence between the business agenda and the employee agenda, your HR team is going to be the closest to the fence. And in some mm. industries, they are the fence. 
the employee service part of it can oftentimes be the byproduct of the business interest. If one can walk away with that fundamental truth with HR, operations can function smoothly globally. You know, one of the things that you said that's pretty interesting, you were saying that HR is there to protect the business, you know, for people that say, you know, I don't understand why they would protect the business and not the people. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the employee service piece, again, becomes the byproduct of that protection of the business interest. Great example. Mm -hmm. So an HRT may also have a sub-department of ethics and compliance. Mm -hmm. The ethics and compliance tells the business owner, listen, according to state guidelines, these are the things you can, you can and cannot do. These are the things that you can and cannot say in your employee Mm -hmm. engagement, employee relations, right? Yeah. Business, make sure you are conducting yourself ethically. Make Mm -hmm. sure you are toeing the line, walking the walk, talking the talk when it comes to these business interests. Because who is the vested interest, or I should say, um, who is the human capital? It's going to be your employees that are going to drive that business. So if a business is conducting themselves ethically, doesn't happen all the time, but in a perfect world, what is supposed to happen is now the employee has and can drive a higher employee experience mm. because my company is walking the talk, talking, walking the walk, talking the talk, they're compliant, yep. they're operating under ethical guidelines and I don't have to feel like name and ism. Mm. That's really good. When That's HR really good. is making sure that the corporation or the company is doing what they said they were going to do and HR is protecting that business interest, the employee. Yeah. Will I love it. I love it. Um, tell me a little bit more. What's your next tip? Um, you know, a lot of people feel like HR is the police department mm. and they're not. <laughs> they're not huh? waiting for you as an employee to mess up, to write you a ticket. Again, it goes wow. back to tip number one, upholding company policy and creating a safe space for employee employees I should say is everyone's responsibility that falls on me that falls on you that falls on the janitor that falls on the person who cleans the elevator that falls on everyone that weight does not sit on HR alone and they do not operate as a police precinct I love that can you you know one of the this is so good right now because a lot of times um, people have that mentality about HR. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it actually kind of sometimes can build this wall, you know, and really it's all about partnership when you're dealing with HR. What's Absolutely. your next tip for us? Yes, when it comes to hiring and talent acquisition, especially if you're a job seeker, be open and honest. Mm. I see so many job seekers talk to potential hiring managers or their HR recruiter, and they only say what they think the other wants to hear. Mm. That's not that, that's not positive positioning, nor is that, you know, clean pool for conversations. Yeah. If you're a job candidate, be open and honest either about your experience, about your past circumstances, what you're looking for in the job and make sure you ask questions, but you don't have to come into the HR relationship, especially as a job seeker, under the guise of what can I say to you to get to land this interview? What can I say to you to land this? Wow. Wow. You use a very interesting term and let's, I want us to talk about this. What does positive position mean? 
Yes, positive positioning. Assume positive intent. Some people go into either as a, you know, as a employee, their relationship with their HR department thinking, oh, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to talk about my benefits. And, you know, they're only going to tell me what they can't do for me. Mm. Or, you know, I'm going to, I got to go in here and, and, you know, reassess my performance evaluation. God, yeah. going to make it so difficult for me. You know, I'm going <laughs> to get into this interview and this lady's going to see right through me and she's not going to hire me. No, right. positive positioning allows you to assume the best first. Love it. I love it. Assuming the best first. Where do we see leaders or organizations fall short of seeing the best first? When they've been jaded, when they've been burned, either as an employee, Let's as a business leader, that. or yes. as a corporation. Yes. Where someone has burned their bridge and now they are making all job candidates, all employees, all business leaders pay for the sins of one past person. This is heavy because for positions that literally have a lot of turnover, I actually talked about this in my last podcast, there's a 45% turnover rate in early childhood education, okay? So you can just imagine how leaders in that field are feeling like, you know, they're basically time stamping someone. And I even started feeling, uh, thinking of myself doing those kind of things when I was working with my team, you know, I'm like, oh, she's gotta give me six months, she's gonna give me a year, she's a lifer, she's two months, she might be two weeks, so I'm already high, I'm already looking to hire which is hindsight which is i think it's good to have as a leader you got to have hindsight right yep. but when you get burned so much you really become this this jaded person that you talked about yep. how do you get out of that mode and what do you do in order to take that step out of out of that direction you know um it's it's hard for us as imperfect people to not treat someone based on our past experiences. And I wish I had the magic bullet, but I can tell you that it's certainly not a one and done. One does not wake up and say, you know what? I'm gonna view the world through these uber positive glasses and everything is gonna go perfect for me. It's actually yeah. having a balance of knowing that people are prone to mess up because we're imperfect. People are gonna mm -hmm. say the wrong things and they're gonna do the wrong things. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're gonna say and do the wrong thing forever. Mm. Once marked doesn't that's mean always very, marked. That's a very interesting statement that you made. So they're not always going to do this forever. How do we ensure that that employee grows and develops so they're not doing those same things forever? Like what can we do as leaders and as people, even as mentors, we talked a lot about mentors on one of our uh, podcasts with April. Um, we talked a lot about mentorship, the difference between mentorship and mentorship. I've made that up on the podcast. That's not a real word, but I got real Shakespeare. <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> so we're, we're talking about all of these different ways. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, first of all, you hit the nail on the head. How do we ensure upward mobility when people um, may have a checkered past or, you know, don't know enough of their own blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and mentorship is key. And mentorship, I'll add a layer to your mentorship. Mentorship is different than sponsorship, which is different than mm. coaching, which is different than consulting. Mm -hmm. Mentorship allows, yeah. mentorship allows your mentee to bring you what they want to work on and you as the subject matter expert, as the mentor, help them see their blind spots and yeah. you offer them opportunities to not step on the same landmines that you have stepped on in your career progression. That's number one. Number two, 
uh, really number two and three, you know, kind of what's the, uh, what's the solution to that mentorship, empathy, and compassion as business mm. leaders. We've gotten so far away with servant leadership. Yeah. When we circle back and we lead our teams with empathy and compassion, then we will take everyone's inclusive thought into consideration when we're looking at career pathing. When we're making career ladders, if we lead with empathy and compassion, we won't freeze someone in time because of wow. a poor decision or wow. because of something left that they said in a meeting two years ago. Yeah. You guys, we're dropping bombs right now, okay? I'm telling you right now, if you know someone that needs to listen to this right now, send it to them. Do not get them roses. Do not get them candy. Don't get them a car. Give them something that is going to be good for their soul and change their mind and make them better. You said freezing a person in time. We do it That's often. so poetic. That is so poetic because a lot of times people are afraid of speaking up and saying things or challenging their leaders or being open, honest, talking about that um, positive positioning, our society almost glorifies or cultivates a culture of don't say what you mean because you're going to get a different result. And it kind of gives people this idea of this person's in power and they are going, they have negative intent for me. Therefore, I am going to do something else. I used to, can I, I think a lot of people can, can um, maybe relate to this when someone tells you that they're leaving or something's going on and it's not the truth. I remember like I literally had an employee, I, I'm never going to forget this in my entire life. Um, Cause I'm like, man, she really went all out just to, just to come up with something so she could get out of something versus just saying, hey, this is where I'm at. This is not really a good fit for me, but I really appreciate the opportunity. And then really me being able to take that information and not take it personal as a leader, but to say, oh, okay, you know what? Let me help you find something else. Cause which I have done many times helping people find other jobs. But this, um, this young, I'm gonna just say, I'm about to be super transparent with y'all because this is the craziest story I've ever heard. I'm pretty sure everybody got their crazy stories. But you know, literally I had an employee that said, hey, I'm gonna have to leave because my grandma died. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, of course, you know, she's crying. I'm like, absolutely. So we let her go. Uh, she comes back the next day and she says, hey, I have to leave because my cousin died. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, some crazy stuff does happen to people, right? And so she was like, yeah, I want to show you this news article. The person that died in the news article is my cousin. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. You know, I'm feeling so bad for her. I brought her flowers. You know, I'm trying to, you know, really empathize with her. And then she doesn't show up to work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I wonder if she like did something to herself because of all this stuff, you know, she's had a really rough go. We come to find out that she actually got a new job working at like this pet place and <laughs> she just did not want to work at the center anymore. Didn't tell us. Um, we didn't even know why uh, because there was no, there was no indication of issues, but that's kind of the hardest part is when you have an employee that is struggling with certain things. They're not open, they're not transparent, and everybody's gonna be different. You know what I mean? I, I don't think everybody's the same, but it, I felt like 
not only did we lose an employee, but I felt like I missed out on the opportunity to figure out what was the problem and so that we could fix it and make it be a bit, make a better environment. And so, you know, for all those that are listening out there, you know, one of the great things about, you know, being in a position that you were in um, as a employee, you have the opportunity to create effective change. You have an opportunity to create great a great culture, but you have to speak up and you have to connect and you have to be willing to build versus tear down. Um, but when you have this negative idea about how your boss is going to react or how your mentor is going to react or how these other people on your team are going to react, um, it really will hinder you from opening up and being your best and actually giving your best. Absolutely. So, yeah. So tell me your next tip. What is your next tip for us? This is good. Yeah. Don't wait until the shingles are about to blow off the roof before you seek help from your HR team, especially if mm. it's over ethics or, you know, some sort of company violation. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, and there's multiple layers to that. Some people are afraid of retribution. You yeah. know, what will they think? Is this going to hinder my upward mobility? If I report yeah. something to HR, does this mean that I'm not going to get a promotion moving forward? Am I going to be yeah. treated differently? Um, and I do understand that there is within the corporate world, there is still some cancel culture when it comes yeah. to retribution and having someone who blows the whistle. Yeah. I would say globally, mo most corporations are taking better stock in creating safer spaces. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, safer spaces for dialogue for yes. their employees. If you can catch a problem when it's just a leak in a roof, you will have less money. You'll have to shell out less money to a contractor to repair the roof versus Absolutely. when all the shingles are off the roof and now you don't have a roof and now you can't afford to repair the house. It's no Absolutely. different with your relationship as an employee with your human resource teams. Yeah. If it's a drop in the bucket coming from the ceiling, fix it then. Don't wait until you don't have a roof to seek help. Mm. Oh, I love that analogy. I love it. I love it. I love it. Fix the leak. Don't wait for the whole roof to fall. Wow. What's your next tip for us? This is really good. Yeah. And I'm talking to my HR business partners here, those who, who are HR practitioners. Really get to know your client department as individuals, not just mm -hmm. as a collective group. If I'm an mm. HR representative and finance is my client, I want to get to know as many finance employees as individuals as I can. Yeah. Because yeah. my job is to work in lockstep with their overarching business goals. And more importantly, if I'm at the table as a thought leader, when it comes to changes in the business, I can spin that world a little quicker and a little smoother. Yeah. Yeah. Than me, than me blanketing a group of people that work in finance. I need to get to know those individual, those people as individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how would you suggest like even those smaller businesses that don't have an HR um, department, how can they provide maybe a better or safer space for people to go and speak to someone about their concerns? It starts with the leadership team. From, 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 the, from the tip top, the company owner, the, the board of directors, the, the chair, the, you know, the, the people who sit on the chairs, it is their yeah. responsibility to trickle down the message that this is an open door place. This yeah. is a place for no judgment, no blame, no shame. We want to have the dialogue here. If that yeah. conversation starts at the bottom and tries to move up, it's so much harder. Yeah. Senior leadership has to model that behavior and trickle it down and make sure that they're holding their, the people who they hire accountable yeah. to those dynamics. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, this is really important. This, this idea of creating a safe space for people to come and talk and to be able to be heard. Um, we just had a recent um, news article that came out um, about Vanessa. Um, I believe her last name is pronounced Ellen. Um, mm -hmm. And she was in the military and she was being sexually harassed. Right. And she was choosing not to report it because she yep. knew that one, it had been reported before. Two, if she reported this, this was gonna mess her whole career up. And in the for those that don't know, she was murdered. Um, so, you know, because she did not report something. And I wanna make sure that everybody hears this loud and clear, regardless of your gender, your race. If somebody is doing something that's inappropriate, you see something, you say something. Um, because you never know how that can cost you um, as a person in the long term, you know. And, you know, now we're talking about, you know, in the military, how do we create these safe spaces for people that need to report something and they're worried about, you know, if I do report this, how is this going to affect my career? And many people choose to swallow and stuff, da stuff down because they don't want to have this, whatever the situation is, um, affect their career. Absolutely. These, the world that we're in now is different than it was five years ago, which is different than yes. it was 10 years ago. Yes. And it was very taboo in any professional setting to talk about race, religion, politics, amongst a whole host of other things, yes. right? Absolutely. Our world is forcing corporations to make this paradigm shift yeah. to say, actually, we have to have these conversations mm -hmm. because this is what builds the human fabric. One's mm. religion, one's political affiliation, one's race, ethnicity, how they identify, that makes part of their human fabric. If humans yeah. are working at the job, we have to talk about what makes them human. I love so, it. So, it's, so it's, it's squishy, but people are forced to change their culture. And cultural mm. shifts do not take place overnight. No, no, they so don't. We, so we can only hope that areas like the armed services, the police departments, and some places that have kind of historical, I'll even go on a limb and say like the good old boy system, they yeah. start to make their changes because the world is going to continue to force us to do that. Absolutely, right? absolutely. I think that's really crucial. And you hit some really, really key components. You know, just even as women, we're still dealing with being paid a lot less than men, you know? And so there's so much work that has to be done. I always remind people it's only been, it's been less than 60 years since the integration of education has taken place. And right when that law was passed, people still resisted that. And they're like, no, I'm not doing this. So that, you know, it took years and years and years for these integrations to take place. So, you know, we are really looking at all these different systems that were put in place that do hinder people, that do put people in a fear-based kind of model, and we're trying to move them out of that. And it takes time, and it takes a lot of conversation. And yeah, I think absolutely. this is important. Tell us your next tip. Yeah, if I'm a business leader, especially if I'm leading like a whole department, I'm a department mm -hmm. chair or department head, I better know where my department is killing it. Mm. As well, I need to know what my employees are saying on their exit interviews. Yeah. I need to know my areas of opportunity. Where can I improve? When I'm getting that feedback from my HR teams or my people services or yeah. my HR business partners, I need to know those stats like the back of my hand because Absolutely. that should drive how I get to my goals and how I look at performance management overall, either yeah. for my team or from my department. 
I've got to know my wins and I've got to know my losses. How do you take that information or that feedback as a leader and really create a plan that is going to be really positive and it's effective? What are some tips that you have for people that maybe are new leaders and they're getting a lot of negative feedback? And that is, we actually talked about this on um, James's podcast where we're talking about fear and we're talking about how people, um, when they get all of that feedback, it's a very scary thing. So how do we dissect all of this and how do we let it make us and not break us? It's so funny and I'll, I'll, I'll frame it up with an analogy. The, there's very few things I remember Um, out of like what kind of the men in my life have said growing up, like my dad, my grandfather, um, because I I have a very strong female influence in my family. Um, But one thing both my grandfather and my father said when I thought I was going to be faced with getting jumped in high school one time, Mm. I needed to know what do I need to do if, if these six girls, you know, cut me off at the pass. Yeah. And both of them said, pick one. Mm. jump mentality is always you got to pick one Mm. you're not going to be able to fight them all but if you (laughs) pick one you can make an example out of that one and you can get other girls out of your back feedback is no different when you are if you have the onslaught of bad feedback wow you need to decipher it all you may need to listen to it all at face value but understand that you will only be able to attack an issue one by one so pick So pick the top, pick the top negative and start there and know that it's not going to be negative forever. Yeah. If your heart is in the right place, as a servant leader, it will not be wrong forever. Mm. You're not going to please everybody, but right. you certainly are going to correct 15 negative items overnight. So pick one yeah. and start there. This is powerful, you guys. I love it. Pick one. That That's the new quote right now. Pick one. Pick one. Pick, Pick one, one. because sometimes we get so consumed by all of the negative feedback. And I think leaders have a lot of pride in themselves, especially with this new, um, this new theories and push, which is, you know, people don't leave jobs. They leave bad managers. Absolutely. So, you know, that quote in itself, I think it's so hard to eat, chew and swallow because when people are leaving, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying my best, but I'm not being effective, you know? Um, and some people just need a lot of coaching to get to where they want to go. Absolutely. Um, or to get to the leader that they want to be, you know? And so it's, 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 this is very interesting. Very interesting. I love this so much, you guys. You guys! If you have not shared this with somebody, you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to share (laughs) this message with somebody because this is one of the things that people are struggling with within their company, even on a small, um, in a small company, if you own a business, these are things that we struggle with. And when we look at turnover, when we look at um, how can we make our culture, our community better, we've got to really take that that mirror and reflect and really figure out how to make effective change. Even just using this podcast in, in your, um, your team meetings and hearing certain clips and being able to say, hey, let's talk about this. What does this mean to our company? What does this mean to our center? What does this mean to our business? And how do we create effective change? You know, and having those conversations that are extremely crucial 
to making change as a community. Because I honestly, I tell people all the time, change does not start just at management. It starts on the ground floor. Because if everyone's holding each other on the ground floor, and that you have to hold your leader accountable. And that accountability culture really is going to help transform the way you practice and do things within your business and organization. Amen. So yeah, so tell us, what is your next tip for us? Yeah, so we agreed that gone are the days where at work we, you know, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about race, and we're making that paradigm shift. That being said, HR partners really need to help foster an environment that supports that thinking. Mm. The HR department needs to foster an environment that supports that paradigm shift, that yeah. supports the courageous conversations, um, holds space for employees as individuals, not just people who work in finance or people who work over in operations. As well, yeah. leaders have to stop leaving it up to their HR teams to write all the guides for, mm. for, this, this, for our new mentality. Yes, our HR department is to is in place to take care of the interests of the business. Mm -hmm. But all too often I hear senior leaders say, well, you know, my HR partner hasn't given me a facilitation guide to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you know yeah. what, I'm going to wait for, you know, HR to let us know via email how we should handle one, two, and three. No, right. you are the leader and you run your team. So continue yeah. to run your teams and set the precedent. Check yeah. in with your HR business partner, check in with those teams or whoever holds you accountable. But we have to stop waiting for HR to write all the guidelines on this. Oftentimes the tough conversations, they have to be a partnership. Yeah. Servant, leader tells you, servant leadership tell, tells you that. I love it. I love this. This is so, this is so good. I, I, I mean, just even thinking about the pieces that go into creating a, a healthy culture, community, a community, a partnership. I love that you're talking about not letting, not leaving it up to HR, you know, and I think that's kind of where HR gets deemed that, you know, evil people, you know, you don't want right. to go to, you don't want to do that, that vision or that, that, that wall up, you know, and sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. Um, what's your next tip for us? Yeah, globally, right? Across the globe, we have got to stop burying our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts with our HR teams. They talk are exhausted. Okay, yeah, yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, it really takes each of us in a business to drive inclusive teams. Mm -hmm. It takes the janitor, it takes the window washer, it takes the individual contributor, it takes the senior manager, it takes everyone. Everyone has a stake in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really feel that D&I should still be a separate group from HR. Maybe mm -hmm. they run in tandem, but maybe a company has a diversity and inclusion team and they have an HR team. Yeah. And really we see now yeah. with, with recent events such as the you know, George Floyd murder and other acts of social injustice, many HR teams, HR specific, they're very ill-equipped to handle these types of fallouts. And they scramble at the last mm. minute for communications. What should we do now? What do our employees need? What is the what is the executive board of directors need? Having true resources, having true DNI practitioners in a corporation, and not leaving the DNI efforts solely to the HR teams is helpful. Yeah. This is so good. How can if somebody wanted to have um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion service? group maybe they're a smaller center or they're a smaller business 
how can they create something like that in their space? It's so funny because they don't even necessarily have to start with a group. If you're a small business and you're a business of three, one of you all needs to be a diversity and inclusion champion. Mm. It starts with an advocate who's willing to take on allyship for mm -hmm. the company and mm -hmm. having a diverse plan until you can build a group. The best place for them, for them to start, Google is free. The yeah. best place that one can start is understanding that no one group, nation, or geography is monolithic. Listen to the podcasts such mm. as this one. Read the books. Do the yeah. Google research. Yeah. Ask for the courageous conversations to groups and individuals who may, may or may not look like you. Understand yeah. that there's a lot more beneath the surface than just your business interest and, some, and how short someone is, how tall someone is, how dark or light-skinned someone is, what someone yeah. wears on their head based on yeah. their religious convictions. There's so much more beneath the surface than that. And if small businesses, if they don't have the budget for a DNI team, let alone an HR team, then yeah. someone needs to be a DNI champion and mm. take that on as part of their role. I love that. I love that. You know, the D talking about creating like smaller, I'm trying to put all this together because there's so many people that, especially in education, we talk a lot about not having diversity um, in certain types of curriculum, um, especially there's certain policies that have been made, which is, you know, we don't um, do any religion, um, diversity celebrations. It's just focused on educational standards, quote unquote. Um, it's, we leave out all these different things because they, they, they give, they, they produce too much controversy. Right. And mm -hmm. so we were talking about this and then one of our other podcasts with uh, Jocelyn Jones, and we were talking about creating a more cultural aware framework within education. And I think one of the big things is we have to start on those lower ends, working with kids and building those things up all the way into our workspaces. You know what I mean? If we're talking about this in our workspaces and we're talking about creating these frameworks in workspaces, we need to also have that reflected in our educational standards and how we um, embrace people in education and children in education so they can see themselves. And we can also be more equipped to deal and to um, have those conversations with families and kids about how diverse our world is. Um, and of course, that's not all what um, diversity, inclusion, and services is all about. But having those conversations at those earlier ages and those smaller stages, I think really is going to help build um, a better generation, a better culture overall. So what is your next tip for us? Yeah, please don't think your HR department doesn't have its own set of problems. Mm. They may hide it really well, right? Mm. But your HR department may be leading with their own batch of bad bosses. Yeah. They may be having their own issues with upward mobility. Wow. They may be having their own ethics issues, right? Yeah. Not many people talk about HR for HR. Mm. That's deep. Human resources needs its own human resources group as well. They don't police themselves. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. When you are thinking about creating a HR service for HR, what would be your idea for that? And what would that look like? Yeah. So there has to be enough vested interest in the body of work. So let's pretend, let's take you on a visioning exercise, right? Stephanie, you and I, we work in the same corporation and you are an HR generalist 
and mm-hmm. your client is finance. Go back to finance people, pick on them. I am your HR representative. We are both in HR, but I serve you when you need to come to me about performance management, your salary, questions about benefits, right? You don't do that to an outside source. I need to Mm. know enough about you, Stephanie, the individual, and about your clients, finance, who you support, so that I can help you navigate those challenges. But I Mm -hmm. need to be far enough away or work from a space of non-attachment in your role so that I can still serve you and allow you to show up to me as your HR business partner with no shame, no blame, no judgment. I need to be just as connected to to know your body of work, but just far away enough so that you can feel comfortable coming to Mm me, um, you know, maybe asking for some tips and tricks or bringing maybe some of the deeper stuff like ethics violations, policy questions to me. Yeah. It's a delicate balance. I love it. I love it. What's your next tip for us? Yeah, and I think this is my last tip, really. Just because someone works in human resources, it does not mean that they can help you get a job. Oh! HR has many sides of the house, right? You've got payroll, you've got employee relations, you've got HR law, there's data analytics and reporting, there may be benefits administration, right? If you're yeah. looking to move up or around or you need help as a job seeker, get to their recruiter or mm. their talent acquisition division, not the person who does like leave administration. They may not be it. able to help you if you need an insight tip. That is so funny because literally that is exactly what people think they like all the time all the time yeah i would i definitely i definitely have to agree with that and i would add add on a layer to that when i used to get all the time in conversation when i was an hr practitioner uh some moons back oh you work in hr listen okay so this girl at my job she she thinks she has a sexual harassment case i'm like i don't (laughs) hr law (laughs) I don't do other <laughs> compliance. I do benefits administration, right? <laughs> is, so human resources itself is not a monolithic gig. There are multiple divisions of that house. If you need someone to help you with the law side, find that. If you need someone to help you with, with your resume or job seeking, find that. Find yourself a coach. Yeah. <laughs> Coughs loudly, right? Find yourself someone who can help you, but get to the source. HR is not monolithic. Oh my word. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause you know what, you guys, I'm not even going to front. Like I have been there rubbing, like, like I'm about to call my friend at HR because you know what? I'm sick of this mess. <laughs> and for those that could not see what I was doing, I was dialing on my hand like really fast because that's what you typically like, oh, my friend works in the HR. So I'm about to go talk to them or my friend does. But I think that's important for people to know that there are different types of HR. Right. There are different facets to HR. And not, it's not a one hat fits all kind of thing. I love it. I love it. We're, we're talking about jobs and we're talking about getting people jobs. And now we know that not everybody in HR can get you a job. Um, we want to know your deep, dark secret of what has been your most unprofessional moment. And what do you wish somebody would have said to you or coached you along the way uh, when you had this moment? Oh, okay, I guess so this is the vulnerability transparency portion of our segment now. <laughs> We're getting vulnerable. Um, Nobody judges. It's transparency. Yeah, no <laughs> shame, no blame, no judgment. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so I will. I'll leave company names out to protect the innocent. But I, um, <laughs> I am. Um, I was born in Chicago, grew up in Arizona, and moved to Atlanta, Georgia, not too too long after high school. And in a a brief stint when I had moved back home um, to Arizona from Atlanta back in 2011, 
Um, I was supposed to just be saving up for like this international move kind of back to Brazil. And I just, I needed a job maybe for like six months or so. So I started temping um, or working with a temp agency. And this particular temp agency, gosh, I feel so bad as I talk about it. <laughs> I, I sought them out specifically because they are um, minority owned, women owned, right? Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. typically who their, their staffing service client is as well. Yeah. Boy, they, I, I took an assignment that was supposed to be kind of longer term and I hated it. I hated oh. that I was there. And there was this balance between do I let down kind of the staffing manager? Yeah. You know, I, I always work from a place of excellence. I don't want to tarnish my reputation. But God, I hate this job. This job sucks so bad. Um, the oh. environment was just not good. And I wasn't in, which I'll, I'll say again, I wasn't in a space to feel like I could give feedback because I mm. needed a job so bad. I needed to work. Mm. And um, so at the same time, while I was working this temp job at this private university, the, the temp agency sent me to this private university. And um, I, was, I was in their HR department. Mm -hmm. And I, probably 90% of my job day at my temp job, I was looking for another job. Oh. I landed a, a very glamorous, uh, you know, really a, a very glamorous job at a real estate investment firm. Uh -huh. But I was juggling trying to do my temp job stuff, looking for work, and then like, you know, plant, you know, plotting my next move because I wasn't to yeah. stay back in Arizona forever. I say all yeah. that to say I wasn't giving a hundred percent of myself to this job. Um, oh. And the the I was interviewing like on my lunch break when I was working for the temp agency. Anyway, long story short, oh. this real estate firm hired me, and they were like, "Can you start tomorrow?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I'm in the middle of this huge project at this private university for this that this job that the temp agency sent me." How do I like, how do I cut bait? How do I cut bait gracefully? Um, I can't get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get two weeks. I can't finish out the assignment. Like I, I want this better job. That's at a better facility. Yeah. It pays better. Yeah. So I, talking to the real estate firm, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can start tomorrow with, with zero plan. Woo. So the following morning, I get up the next day, I contact the staffing manager and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be in to my temp job. And really spun it as if like uh, something come that came up, flat tire, not going to make it, right? Yeah. As I was trying to buy time to figure out like, how do I get out of this temp assignment? Right. Go to my first day at work, right? Have a, have a wonderful day on the way home from my new job. I call the staffing company and I say, listen, I'm actually, I'm done. I'm actually not coming in anymore ever. Oh. And I will never forget the deafening silence that was me and the staffing manager. Enough to where oh. I was like, hello? And she was like, do you understand that you are leaving us in a lurch? Mm. Like you're in the middle of this huge HR overhaul project. And are you telling me that you're not gonna come back tomorrow? What am I supposed to tell the director at the private university? And I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I got this other job. Thank you so much. Like, I'm trying to smooth it over. But I right. know this is right. like one of the worst things that anyone right. can do. Um, hung up the phone. Knew that I would probably be blacklisted from, you know, this temp agency. I probably still am. Shoot. <laughs> I'll never be able to, you know, work for them if I need it again. But I was so willing to burn that bridge. And then lo and behold, at the real estate firm where I was doing, like, some project management stuff for them. I didn't stay. I didn't oh. stay. I ended up back to Atlanta. 
So I, I totally burned a bridge for something that I also wasn't 100% vested in. Mm. So we have learned from our mistakes. We do not freak people in time. I'm such a yes. I've grown, I've grown from these experiences. When you make that disclaimer. Yes. Any of my clients who are out there, any of my corporate <laughs> entities that I work along with, like I'm such a better person for that. <laughs> I, I wish someone would have told me how to have the conversation and long before I ever accepted a temp position that I yeah. knew I wasn't feeling, I wish I would have had a mentor or a sounding board to have that conversation with. Mm. All those decisions in my head before I sought counsel to have those decisions and have those conversations out loud. I needed yeah. to help steer me in the right place. Yeah, I think that's pretty deep because I think it's even though you know you're you're talking about it's so common. Everybody has done that at one point. Or, well, maybe there might be a few people ever, but um, I definitely think everybody has gotten to that point where they've done that, and you look back and you're like, dang, why did I why did I do that? You know, that was such that was so unnecessary. What actually happened? You know, um, and it's it's kind of hard when you're in a situation where you hate your job or you don't like what you're doing and you want to get out of there as soon as possible. Cause sometimes you feel like you can't even complete another day. Um, yes. but at the same time, it's like, you look back on it and you're like, if I would have just had a mentor or a coach, um, or had someone to help me or connect with me, um, on that level so that I can make the right move for myself and for me, you know, career wise, you know, I, I, this has been so good, you guys, I cannot even tell you all of the gems that are in this podcast because there are so many pieces that you can pick apart and really talk about and giving people that freedom and that space to have that dialogue. I think this is the great, this is your, this is your launching board right here. You know, you can start the conversation with these, these tips that we've put out. Um, Latoya, you did amazing. Like, where do we find you? Like, where do we go? Like if somebody's like, you know what? we have all these problems or I just need like, you know, some coaching, some individual training. What does that look like? How do we find you? Where can they talk with you? Tell us all of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you all my social media handles, tell you where you can find me. Let me, let me add one more layer to your comment about please people hating their jobs. So many American workers hate the jobs they're in. I mean, they absolutely hate, they dread going to work. They yes. have anxiety on Sunday night. Yes. They're not productive. It's 90% Instagram. It's 90% YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 6% actual work productivity. And that I hate my job, they bring that I hate my job self to work and they make others around them miserable. Mm. So many people ruin their brand because of an incident at you know, something with a person or something that happened at work and then they check out and then they wonder why they're not advancing. The same, wow. I hate my job people, they always wonder, well, how come I can't get promoted? Yeah. Well, because you screwed your brand when you checked out. When you became a disengaged employee, you mm. started to bring down your work brand. And and it, and it happens, it happens often, certainly in this Westernized society, because we as individuals, good, bad, or in between, we live under this guise of meritocracy, right? Yeah. If I keep my head down and I work all day and I do great work, I'm going to move up the ladder. Mm. Statistics show that for women of color, that is a fallacy. Mm. Double click for black women, that is a, that's, that's just a mistruth now. 
it hmm. turns out actually when we do hard work and when we do more work we get more hard work hmm. the key 2020 moving forward is to learn how to work smart upward hmm. mobility at a company requires executive presence it requires networking it requires yeah. making good connections and yes. learning how to work smart your career path is something that you build. If you are waiting mm. for someone to hand it to you, you will be sitting on those front porch steps waiting for a really long time. Yeah. You gotta get good at you, you gotta get good at building your brand. You gotta get good at writing your own job descriptions. Yes. You gotta get good at pitching. You gotta get good at having conversations. Yeah. Introvert or extrovert, doesn't matter what your yeah. personality type is. Those are the things that get you promoted. Those are the things that help you be more vis visible and get you less out of a space of, I hate my job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love, you know, even though I said, you know, go ahead and give us all your information. I, I want to talk about something that you just said that is actually really interesting, which is focusing on when you don't love your job and you hate your job, not only is it causing you mentally, mental, um, mental anguish physical anguish and then that energy is Im impacting everybody else around you including your work how do you snap out of that like if you're like you know what i'm gonna be here at this place but i really don't know what to do how do you snap out of that or can you snap out of that you, you absolutely can you need to start with it, it starts with the man in the mirror ask hmm. yourself how you got here yeah do you hate your job is it that you hate your job because of the long hours that you work? And are the long hours based on the fact that you're not setting proper work boundaries? Hmm. Are you working long hours or is someone asking you to work long hours? Hmm. You hate your job because of the type of thing you're doing. Are yeah. you only in your job because it pays well, but the what you do is pretty crappy? Hmm. Are you only there for good benefits? Do you yeah. not like the people that you work with? Yeah. Are you feeling stuck and you just don't know what to do? And because of lack of job clarity, now the equation is I hate my job. Nine times out of 10, you probably don't. Because really mm -hmm. the things that we hate, we repel the things that we hate. Think yeah. about a child who says, I hate broccoli. He probably mm -hmm. hates the smell of broccoli and he's never gonna put it in his mouth. Yeah. If you hate something, you typically repel yourself from it. So if yeah. you truly hate your job, then you need to separate yourself from it. If you're really at a place where you're sitting at your desk, be it your home office or, you know, maybe pre-COVID in a building, and you really yeah. think, leave. Leave. Yeah. Who's holding you there? Yeah. Who, who's yeah. forcing you to stay? And typically, and I, I go back to, it's the man in the mirror because when we when we make those very, what can, what can sound like condescending statements, like if you hate your mm -hmm. job, leave. Mm -hmm. At the, the end of the day, no one is holding you to the job. You're not chained to the job. Yeah. So now you have to ask yourself, why won't I leave? Hmm. Is it because of the good benefits? Is it because of the good job? Is it because I'm afraid of the unknown? Is it because hmm. I don't, because I, I've been at this job for the last 30 years, I actually don't have any, any other skill. Yeah. I actually don't know what I would do after this. And that's where a coach comes into play. I love it. I love this. This is such a good conversation. Oh, I mean, because at one at one time in our lives, or even if you've never been there, when you feel stuck and you feel horrible about what you do, it is the worst feeling ever. And you sometimes you just need that guidance and you need that that person to help you get out of that place or even take your team out of that place. So where can they find you? How can they connect with you? 
Um, certainly you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm absolutely open to connections. Latoya Berkeley, L-A-T-O-I, not Y, I-A, Berkeley, uh-huh. B-U-R-K-L-E-Y. Certainly you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me at my own consultancy, uh, it, which is Your Big Debut, Y-O-U-R-B-I-G-D-E-B-U-T-Now.com. Uh, my email address is the same, info at Your Big Debut Now. Um, you can find me on any of my social handles at Your Big Debut. That's Instagram, that's Twitter, that's Facebook. Um, I'm out there. I work with um, women professionals who are looking to get job clarity, helping them with the tangible stuff, you know, resume writing making sure that you have a strong digital presence, be that sprucing up your LinkedIn profile. And then talking about things like this, you know, what are the behavioral roadblocks that are hindering you on on your career path, right? And then as well, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm absolutely a champion for all things DNI, not just because I check multiple boxes as a young black professional, um, Mm -hmm. you know, female employee, but because it's something that's very important to me, especially in a business space, helping businesses, corporations, business leaders understand that diversity and inclusion is a business imperative. It does impact your bottom line and the changes that need to be made that our world is forcing us to change. We have got to make those changes now. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys, don't worry. We're going to have all of her information below this podcast. Thank you so much for coming by, Latoya. This was so good, you guys. Ugh, again, share, 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 share. Um, also, you know, feel free to subscribe so that you can, you know, definitely keep yourself updated with all of our um, upcoming podcasts. This is just one of many, and I hope that it feeds your soul, your mind, and most importantly, your community. I want to thank you so much for listening. This is Stephanie Courtney with The Learning Project. If you want to learn more about us, go to www.tlptraining.com. Thank you guys, and see you soon.